Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us. We have a very special program today. We are going to uh, bring onto the program a woman who has shared with us before, Diane Collins. I thank you so much for joining us because we're going to dive back into this whole aspect of quantum thinking and, of course, your book, Do You Quantum Think? Thanks for being with us. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here with you, Richard, and with all of your amazing listeners. I'm sure they are because I've been listening to a lot of your shows, and it's just a really good energy field. I feel very aligned, not that we all have the same, uh, God only knows, right? We don't all have the agree on every, in every viewpoint, but I think what you're doing, your mission, your vision is really great, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. I think it'd be a boring world if we all agreed. And I've even heard a, a wise saying that said, if everybody agreed with me, then there's something wrong, seriously wrong. <laughs> uh, I don't want everybody to agree with me. I want people to have divergent ideas because those divergent ideas are what bring about new and, and, and creative concepts. I mean, you think about, you think about, uh, say this this uh, coronavirus that we're dealing with the lockdown the masks the washing of the hands all of that stuff and i sit here going what a time of opportunity how incredible is this that we are living in a time that yes is certainly threatening to us as individuals but also that is filled with opportunities we can't even see yet. And I think that's where this whole aspect of your book and the work, we're gonna, what we're going to talk about, do you think, do you quantum think, uh, and new thinking that will rock your world. And that's, to me, that's exciting. Because it's like the influenza, you know, how I've been, I'm 60 now. And as it's flowed through the, uh, the, 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 around the planet and into the United States, I thought, why don't they shut the airlines down for two weeks, just two weeks? And of course, people would say, oh, come on, that'll destroy the economy. Of course, nowadays I say that and I say, as compared to now, uh, if they'd done <laughs> that in March or February, shut the airlines down on both coasts from people coming in. We may not be where we are today, but doesn't matter what might have been. We are here now. So talk to me about this act. First of all, let's define what quantum thinking versus regular, if there's, you know, thinking is. <laughs> Regularly. Yes. And it's a very important because when you look at what's going on now with coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, however we want to refer to it, pandemic, that, and we start to look at what we, as you said, Richard, what we could have done, what we should have done. And then there's this whole blame thing, shame game going on yeah. that this yeah. is part of the thing, why quantum thing is important right now. But what we have known for quite a while and uh, I'm not sh quite sure how I knew, but I have been saying uh, for at least 20 years that we're in a time of evolution unlike any we've ever witnessed or known. 
when what must evolve now is our own thinking, our own consciousness. So this was at the time that quantum think, uh, it, I say, you know, I created it, invented it, but I know we all know that we, each of us is a unique vehicle for, from, who, from which our own wisdom comes through and how we get to express that through our lifetime, the gifts, the uh, proclivities, the circumstances that we're born into, all of this really is what enables us to live our purpose. So as I say, <laughs> I didn't choose quantum think, it chose me. But mm -hmm. when you look at that, we, why is it so important for us to have this evolution in thinking, to have what I would call a literal quantum leap in consciousness. Because when you look at what we know from human history, and there, it's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the sublime. But when I looked at it growing up, I thought there's a big gap, a, cha a chasm, a discrepancy between how we as human beings aspire to be, how we even imagine ourselves to be so virtuous and, you know, good, kind people, and we are. And yet, there is this chasm when you look in the news daily of how we are with each other. So, in a sense, the idea that we even have to have weapons, that we have wars, that we, all of these things that are going on, that we have accepted as fixed and static institutions like, oh, that's the way it is. There'll always be war. There'll always be people dying of hunger. By the way, this is a, this is a prelude <laughs> to the answering of, well, how is quantum thinking different than, than, quote, regular thinking? That when you look at all of this and you realize we're in an infinite possibility universe, why does it have to continue going down uh, that track? Why is it that we can never get to a solution-based society in the sense that these problems are eliminated? They're not part of our reality. And of course, we've had many things that have become non-realities. And so we're looking now and you say, well, okay, Maybe it's the combining of technology with biology, you know, Ray Kurzweil's idea that <laughs> we will evolve, right? Biologically yeah. speaking. But when you look at what's going to make the difference now, why have we been talking about the end of the Mayan calendar, which in 2012, the, the end of society the way we've been living as we know it because we are literally right now it's not in the future we are in the midst of this leap and in order for the new to emerge now my hobby is looking at planetary trends and i've had this hobby for quite a long time and you look at what are the energetic, you know, how's the energy pointing us to focus on what? Well, 
we've known since 2008 a certain planetary trends came in and it's called restructuring a 16-year period of restructuring which will technically end um not really but the thrust of it in 2023 mm -hmm. so what happened in 2008 Obama got elected. I forgot to answer the question about quantum thing, but let me just make this. That's one okay. Point. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So, okay. So Obama was elected, um, and what the the planets, the symbolism of the planets, is that there will be a transformation in the systems and structures of society, specifically that the systems and structures of society. Now, what quantum think is, and this brings me, because when we start to look today of what's going on, this is obviously everything must be restructured, whether it's your individual, something in your own individual life or whatever entity that we're talking about, whether it's a, a local government, a national, the whole way that nation states relate to one another, the economy, all of it, the technology, of course, is helping it along. But when you, so what is quantum thinking? What I realized is that, you know, you think, well, what can, when I saw this, chasm between how we want to be aspire to be good people but it wasn't quite working out exactly <clears throat> you think what is going to have us get to where we want to be as a harmonious you know high-end humanity let's put it that way mm -hmm. and along the way you come across as you think so you become right Thought creates realities. There are books I was looking at on Amazon, 100, you know, top bestseller the other day. These books from way back then are still on there. Think and Grow Rich and how to, you know, Dale Carnegie's, all these like classic thing about books about thinking. People are still, they're, they're uh, you know, proving the test of time. There's something. There's some truth in it. But I thought to myself, well, if all you had to do was change your thought to change your life or the world, why did it seem it wasn't quite working? And then I met Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, aka Dr. Quantum, who's a, a theoretical quantum physicist. He has, you know, and we were working on a project together years ago. And he was explaining to me, and I call him my mentor in quantum physics, brilliant, one of the most brilliant minds in my view on the planet. And he was explaining to me how scientists make discoveries, they invent new language to name that discovery, to describe it, and then eventually that language and that concept comes into our thinking and into our everyday lives. So in Do You Quantum Think, the book, I use as a, a very common example, uh, the term quantum leap. And it came into the English 
language in my research anyway, around 1927, it was discovered before that, one of the fathers of quantum physics, I'm not a scientist, but I study, Mm -hmm. um, Max Planck, and he discovered that energy doesn't move in a smooth, continuous flow, but it bursts in leaps that he called quantum. So that term quantum, it means an amount that like the smallest unit of energy, and I'm sure there are a lot of other definitions, but you could say it this way. So, okay, quantum leap. It means that a particle of energy, the, the, the spin on it, it can shift position or spin instantaneously without any visible pathway in between. So this is what we mean by a quantum leap, how it comes into everyday language is we say, wow, that's a quantum leap. What does it mean? It means that there was a shift in the state of something, hopefully ourselves, <laughs> that we couldn't see how it got there. It's an instantaneous shift. So what my great revelation was, Richard, is that, as I call it, is that I started thinking about that when Fred and I were having that conversation. And I thought, well, wait a minute. It's not just one term. It's not one concept at a time. The universe of systems, it's a whole system that our thinking is a system. And our thinking system, it's like if you say, well, if thought creates reality, what's creating your thinking, right? The thinking mm -hmm. system is based on the prevailing world view. So when mm -hmm. you look at, okay, what does that mean? Very simply, the beliefs, ideas, assumptions, what we believe to be true about the nature of reality, how it works, what's possible, what's not, what we're capable of, what's not. So when you look at the institutions of today, okay, so then I thought, let me finish on the quantum thing, <laughs> let me forget that part, <laughs> is that when I had those earlier, you know, uh, ponderings, like how are we ever gonna shift as, as a humanity and start being nice to each other, that it would be something like a spiritual awakening. But when I started to realize, you know, you couldn't just go out and start talking about spirituality on the streets, that science, people do believe science in our culture. So I then I came across and realized that the quantum science, the new science from Einstein and forward until now was actually verifying what the universal spiritual wisdom <clears throat> of all mastery traditions was, that we are, it is a universe of wholes, that we, it, there is a unity, that it is multidimensional, that it is energy in flux informed by intelligence, that we as human observers, what we hold in mind and consciousness has a literal effect. There are mind to mind and mind to matter influences. So I'll shorten this so we can get into the conversation, but I'm, this is like, you know, just giving the preface to the conversation, what does quantum think? That 
when you look at that, what is known as scientific materialism or as the classical mechanical worldview from the 17th century, where the scientists declared only physical matter is real, even though Newton and you know all these scientists and philosophers, they were spiritual, but they were they were in the business of studying physical matter. And so what did that do to us as a society? That shaped the whole way that we orient ourselves. So if you look in the physical only dimension, what do you study in school? You study the brain. You're not learning, you're studying the brain connections until today, it's changing, but you're not studying the nature of consciousness, the nature of mind, what I call the five natural faculties of mind, intent, intuition, subtle energy. We're not taught that in traditional education. Why? Because that worldview that was a matter-based view really directed all of our institutions. It was an either or reality. Is energy a particle or a wave? Well, you know, it was either or. Is it, are you guilty or not guilty? The judicial system. Uh, it was a, let's analyze the parts and figure out how they work together. The universe is clockwork machinery. How's the medical profession brought up? Let's look at the different parts in allopathic medicine. Okay, the East is different. So when you look again, so what is quantum thing? I thought, well, there are these different realities going on. If I could put together how the science and spirituality merge and have people just get these quantum think is a system of thinking 21 distinctions principles and practices for the mind and awareness that give that actually activate these principles they're all within you and me not like i'm saying something we don't already know at some level of our being or connect to and if I could put that together, then wouldn't that make it easier for people? So quantum thinking is based in the more up-to-date, accurate, expansive worldview that comes from the leap in science, from the scientific materialism to the quantum age where the scientists basically said, wait a minute, the universe isn't like a giant machine. It's more like a giant mind. It's mind-based. It's non-material based. And mind gives, you know, many scientists don't agree with this or a lot of, a lot of them say, well, it's both. It could go either way. But if you just take this even as metaphor and you start to use it to expand your view, this is the difference between quantum thinking and what I lovingly called old world view, industrial age thinking. Industrial mm. age thinking caught us in many ways. We got, it's silent in the background of our culture to see things as different in the physical, you know, you look different. He's black. She's white. He's yellow. He's red. And 
I don't know why do we have uh, discrimination, prejudice, and all these things. But if you even look from this quantum think perspective, maybe it can give us some other kinds of reasons. Why do we call, quote, alternative medicine, alternative healing, now called complementary, because it's evolving? Because we never had a thinking container, a thinking framework expansive enough, accurate enough in terms of its multidimensionality to be able to think that way. So mm -hmm. I'm giving almost like a lecture here, but I want to say one last thing about it to, to bring it up to this that we're in today with this, if you look at what does it mean we're restructuring? Well, if you're quantum thinking perspective, you realize that all the institutions, and we're not throwing out, it's not an either or, oh, throw out the old world, logical, analytical, linear logic, no, one dimension. We're expanding on it, but all the institutions were formulated from that more uh, a time of a earlier time in human development and evolution, 400 years ago, at least. Yeah. And now we're in a different age. We need to be able to restructure. And the first thing we need to do is restructure our thinking. That's quantum thinking. And it takes me to a, a place where uh, I have been working to get people to do this in a, in a fashion. I kind of came up with a slogan back in September of 2019 because I knew this year was coming. Didn't know what was coming, but I knew this year was coming. Uh, as a matter of fact, I used to think about this year back when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old because I thought, okay, when, I, when it's 2020, I'll be 60. And uh, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, 2020, I'll be 60. But then I started thinking, then I started thinking about what 2020 really meant. So I've been promoting 2020, the year of perfect vision. We want people to go within. We want people to spend time meditating, spend time with themselves, listening to the still small voice, to the higher self, the divine, uh, finding that quiet, peaceful place that they can get into and just get the answers that they need for themselves and it sounds to me like if the the uh, um, the industrial age that you talked about the material age we'll call it in a manner of speaking uh, has gotten us to where we are today to start to define people in certain ways and and it's either or as opposed to both and um seems to me that there isn't a lot of that uh, either or when one goes within it's just the answers that we get 
to the questions that we're asking, guidance that we need. I mean, I'm following my intuition. I'd like to think at least 99.9% .9 of the time. There's those little moments. But for the most part, it's like, okay, uh, you're coming up to this corner and keep going straight. I know you want to turn to the left because it seems shorter. Just keep going straight. I mean, that's a simple, simple Yeah, that uh, is so answer. Yeah, but you know what? That is so important. And I'll tell you the real importance of, of what you're saying. And of course, for me, intuition is one of the, it's a natural, I call the five natural faculties of mind, meaning what we hold in awareness. Intent, which creates. Intuition, which connects. Subtle energy, which tunes in where we can feel things. They all work together. Resonance, which literally sympathetic resonance, vibration manifests. And meditation, which I consider more than a practice, but an actual faculty of mind. So when you say go within and reflect, and when we talk about going to our center, that mm -hmm. is the, we are engaging our meditative faculty. Now we engage it in many ways, but getting back to the in intuition, because things are accelerating so fast, we really would do well to, to follow what your guidance is when you talk about these things, Richard, which mm -hmm. is to develop our intuition. Now, what I was going to say is the importance, I think, of what, how you're phrasing it is that you're choosing it consciously. So many, you know, a lot of people, they think, oh, you know, I had this intuitive flash, but they're not actually using it in a way that you want to master it. Quantum thinking is a mastery practice, I call it. So it's, you know, how do you know if you're living a masterful life? Uh, is it by chance? Is it a fluke? Is it, you know, dumb luck? Is it? No, it's by intent because anytime, as I say, any, in case you haven't chosen um, <laughs> to live a life of mastery and what's the alternative? <laughs> Mediocrity, right? So it seems like everyone should want to live a life of mastery. But you see, getting back to the intuitive, you're choosing it consciously now mm -hmm. i have uh there's a principle in quantum thing and it's called intuition and non-locality uh and non-locality is the scientific principle which says that our minds are non-local in nature what does that mean it means that our minds are not located they're not synonymous. It's not synonymous with the brain. It's like the difference between the internet and the computer, right? Mm -hmm. The internet, where is it located? It's not. It's a not. It doesn't have the same kind of physical presence. Yeah. As a computer, so the computer is more like a brain. It does, you know, the transmitter, the transmitter receivers. So, when you look at well. What is this intuition? Is it magic that we have it? Well, it is magical, but there's actually, a, when you look at the science of it, it means, what does it mean that our minds, 
follow the principle of non-locality, our mind is not located in our body. Uh, that means our minds are not restricted by physical uh, location or by chronological time. It means we can connect, the mind can connect anywhere into any, right? Intelligence in this infinite larger mind that we're all connected to. I heard you talking about the other day, I think you, you used Schrodinger. There are, there are a, you know, a lot of science who said there's one mind, but if you yeah. look at that we're simultaneously the individual, you know, the self, the, all the roles we play that we live through, you know, on this play of consciousness, and yeah. there's the transcendent self, that meditative self that you're telling everyone and in a good way to go in and reflect. And the virus mm -hmm. said, get in there. <laughs> you will reflect, <laughs> right? You will yeah. stay home and start to reflect. And, and so the difference, again, is that when you start to live this way consciously, intuition... You start out using it as a discipline. I have to make a decision. Let me go into that silent place and connect to my intuitive faculty and see what it tells me. And it doesn't have to be so long in the way that I just described it, but just what yeah. you said. It's instantaneous. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and just by virtue of your mentioning Schrodinger, granted, all right, you've listened to a few of my interviews. Yes, I did mention that in there. But at the same time, it's like, well, there's a certain element of, well, you just proved that there's only one mind because we're, we're having this conversation and all of a sudden, because I was going to mention that and you brought it up first. Now, <laughs> right, it's in the field. Exactly, yeah. Something, this is what uh, Lynn McTaggart has talked about, that the field right, that's the out field. there. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you see, what I think, you know, my quest has been to have us go from, and, you know, I love Lynn McTaggart's work, to have us go from knowing the wisdom to actually living it. What is it to be the walking, talking embodiment of it? So, the idea of quantum think, I have a video program, Master Mind, Master Life. Do you quantum think the book? There's an audio program. However you take it in, the idea is that we integrate experientially. So it's kind of like you would say, we feel life. But it's not just emotion. Emotion is one aspect of it. It's what the famous uh, channel Seth called the feeling tone of your being. So it's mm -hmm. like we're this big sensing, right? Multi-sensory and beyond sensory device. And we feel, you know, like you said, we connected through this field. So we connected into the same 
idea. And you see this, right? And some people call it the hundred monkey. What is that called? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the hundredth monkey, yeah. And there could be that, right, where it's a numbers thing, but it's not necessarily that. I think about, you know, clarity of, of the clarity of consciousness. And I like to look at it very simply, right? Do you have four bars up on the cell phone of your being or one bar up? So, right? It's like ways that we can understand this thing that sounds very esoteric and abstract, but it really isn't because people are basically upset today, right? I mean, Uh we have the both and. Like you and I, like you said before, Richard, this is like such an opportunity. Wow, right. I get to press the reset button, you know, on my life. What do we really want to be doing now? And I think that really is important to go in when we're making a decision that's going to be for the long haul. Well, it behooves us to really take that time of reflection, but to take the time of reflection from a place of clarity and confidence, we could say faith in the system, in the divine evolutionary uh, creation that's mm-hmm. going on, and think, well, what is this? And, you know, whenever I'm interviewed or my friends ask me, like, please help, what's going on? We're freaking out, you know? And yeah. people are scared and circumstantially, Yeah, it's scary. It looks very scary for all the reasons that all of us know. But I like to think of it as the downward part of the upward spiral. So if we're on an evolutionary upward spiral, going to the higher place of who we can be, as divinely inspired beings on this planet working harmoniously together then what's happening now you know and you can look in the various dimensions but what's happening is we obviously have uh, the breakdown of what will no longer serve or suffice for the new era to emerge and you know, and what's talk- yeah, hmm? and what's interesting about that is because I, I I've been involved with groups of people. Uh, I was working for a radio station of groups of people back in the eighties and early nineties, who would have so much to say in opposition to what you've talked about. And that, that there's, there's nothing in prophecy that that blah, 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 blah. And I sit here and I watch the unfoldment as you've described it. Uh, I've lived through 60 years of it, a little puff of smoke in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, I think, I think you people uh, need to pull your heads out because there is more going on here than you realize. And one of the beautiful things that I kind of came to the conclusion, and that is that most 
of the philosophies on this planet are what are considered to be metaphysical and what that word defined means beyond the physical. And I love how they want to somehow justify their philosophy, reinforce it, uh, support it with steel girders of science and fact. And I sit there going, you can't do that. You can't use science to bolster your position that your philosophy is correct. Because if you do, you have violated the very uh, core of what your philosophy is all about. And that is that it's beyond the physical. It has to do with what you can't see, feel, taste, smell, touch, hear. Unless exactly right. you go within. Unless you go within. Unless you, you go within. But you know what? You don't even have to go within to get it, even though we want to go within because we sure. want to be, you know, we don't, you know, I look at it, infinite possibility means in every moment, and, sci and scientists say, quantum scientists, there's the possible world and the actual world, or some people say potential or however you say it. But the possible world has existence. It's just not manifest, right, in the physical. So, yet. But it's there in potentia. So, we as each, as individuals, we can be the manifestation of any human trait. Obviously, some of us, because of our upbringing or what we were born with, or genes have tendencies. But the choice is always... It's a co-creative. It's always up to us. There's a destiny and there's free will combined. Mm -hmm. Now, going to back to what you were saying, and I have a, the, there's a page in my book called, <clears throat> I call them quantum think waves. They're little, <laughs> think about this for a minute. Time for a new science because it's not we should get rid of the science, but exactly what you're saying. If the nature of reality is multidimensional, as you say, a lot of the wisdom, it's based in metaphysics, then we cannot use a science that is constructed to only study the physical mm -hmm. on a to study the non-physical. So we have to expand and evolve the science too. As I said, I'm not a scientist. Quantum thing is not about science. It's about how the discoveries of science shape our thinking and how we can use the new discoveries to further ourselves. So wait, but you were saying something about um, the metaphysical. That yeah. When, so... In a very ordinary way, like you say, go within, but in very ordinary ways, we exist in fields and fields are invisible. Okay. So again, we're brought up, educated in the objects that we see in space, not to focus on the space itself. Mm -hmm. Einstein, I think, I think I read, said the space is more important than the, what fills it because the space is actually shaping 
See, we can shape the ener energy intelligent field, the invisible. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that you walk into a room and, you know, let's say you walk into a party. Hopefully we'll be doing that someday <laughs> soon. <laughs> and we can talk about that too. How do we know when this ends? But you walk into a room, you know, one group in the corner, they're laughing. They're, you know, you can't really hear what they're saying, but you can feel them. This goes back to the feeling. You can feel them. There is a communication going on through the fields, all of our new technology, it's not the, the physical grounds it, but the communication of it, the transmission, it's non-physical in the ordinary sense. So it's going, you know, radio waves, waves, all these things, microwaves, we're living in it in very ordinary ways. However, we haven't tuned into that this is the actual nature of reality and that what does it mean to me i'm not an inventor you know of a new technology no but what it means to you and me as people just living our lives and whatever we're doing is that we can learn to master these faculties within ourselves that, as you said, Richard, all the metaphysical wisdom masters have been trying to teach us. And I call it, you know, it's time to go beyond the spiritual elite, you know, the mm -hmm. little group of enlightened beings or self-realized beings, right, who we would consider enlightened, that have been through every time period and I say, it's now time for all of us to be that. That's what they were telling us. What did Jesus yeah. say? Right? Yeah. I mean, and he... What I, mean, I do he, and more. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, they even... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can do these things. Sure. You want to do this stuff? Sure. But I think what he was referring to about the greater miracles... And I don't know that they're defined anywhere other than when he just said, and you'll do greater things. I personally, my intuition tells me that what he meant was the greater thing or things that you would do would be to teach people and also do this for yourself. You would learn how to transform your life and even at the level you are discussing here in regards to quantum thinking. And because, because, you know, what is it to raise the dead? I mean, we were told it is once appointed for every man to die and then the judgment. Well, okay. Well, what about Lazarus? I got a little problem here. You know, we could sit there and, and go semantical on, on, on the, on the audience and try to figure out what the heck's going on there. <clears throat> I mean, and there were other, you know, he healed the sick. Oh, that's That's great. Uh, I remember being uh, approached by a group of people at the Christian uh, radio station I was working for. They wanted to uh, lay hands on me, pray for me for the healing of my eyes. And now at the time where I was, I said, no, I appreciate it, but I'm not here. 
to get healed. That's not my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to serve you by giving you the very best I can as a broadcaster, as a producer, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> that's, and that's where I was at that time. So these, these miracles, for example, that we read about, like in the New Testament, that's great stuff. Boy, that, what, what a great set of magic tricks that is. But what about the greatest of all magic tricks? And that is to transform our lives. Right. To be a good person. We can do that. Yeah. We can do that with quantum thinking, can't we? That's the purpose of it. Yeah. It's, and as yeah. I say, it's not like I know something and you don't. <laughs> no. I mean, when I say you, anyone who's engaging in it, right. it's, it's a tool to connect us to, you know, as I said, if you're reading it, watching the video, however you're taking it in, you are activating that quality of consciousness in yourself. And the principles are very, very specific. I'd like to say, but before I do, you know, you and I were talking before we got on the air mm -hmm. about how something, you know, you brought up something about the Constitution, not to get on, on that now, because I want to give mm -hmm. a very important quantum thing principle, but sure. that we have to read these things in context. So even mm -hmm. though there may be some, you know, eternal truth in, a, in scriptures or even in the United States Constitution, I, don't, I haven't read the constitutions of other countries, so I can't speak for that, but that there is still the, you know, the edge of it, it's like a human being, you know, the human being is universally the same, individually unique. And, you know, then we have costuming. So you have to look at these scriptures, which I think are really meant to be interpreted on many levels. Mm -hmm. And think if you're what I call living fully dimensionally, that you are looking at it on many levels you could look at this virus on many in many dimensions oh yeah and it yeah. will expand you greatly so if you're looking at scriptures you know well what was going on at the time when that was actually documented mm -hmm. what was going on in that era it's different today but there's a be, there'll be the core universal universal truth in it but then we have to look at the interpretation. And I like to look at how can we have it work now? That's mastery. See, a martial arts master. You have, you know, you've done all the, the training and the practices, but when you're confronted in a, in a situation in, a, in this moment, that's already part of who you are. But you've yeah. got to be able to, the, the mastery is knowing what to do in the moment that it has to be done and doing it so it works for everyone. So that's yeah. what I mean by the mastery practice. And if we can train ourselves to be, and I do think that's what Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, I mean, all of these amazing, you know, masters, 
we're trying <laughs> that's my interpretation what mm -hmm. were they trying to say <laughs> not yeah. like okay i'm buddha and you're not <laughs> you know i don't think yeah. so right it's like yeah. you're saying and then how the to the level that we can evolve ourselves which i consider you know the the greatest responsibility the the privilege that we have to make ourselves the best that we can be i mean and because we exist in fields and we emanate our energy out into the world obviously to those close to us I mean, that's a great gift. What's the gift that we contribute is our own state. Yeah. There's, uh, and for me, uh, and this is more of a uh, sort of like a, because I like puzzles. Um, for me, the dichotomy is fascinating between, and you talk about taking things in context. But what I find fascinating is you have the scriptures written, the original writings were in languages that neither of us speak nor understand at least as far as i know you don't speak don't. or understand any of them okay yeah. and neither do i okay and yet we have people here in america specifically who claim to understand what these words are and yet and i did a little research on this and this goes to kind of what we talked about about the constitution but this had to do with the second amendment uh and and uh the research wasn't about what it meant it was about the argument that's been going on ever since it was put into the Bill of Rights, and it was written in English. And I'm sitting here right. thinking, wow, <laughs> a 2,000 or 4,000-year-old document that wasn't even written in our language, and we got it figured out, and yet we cannot agree upon the meaning of uh, three or four lines, I don't know how many words, eight or 10 or 12 words, uh, uh, that were written in English, English that we can understand, and we still can't agree <laughs> upon the meaning. You That's know, the wonderful dichotomy, uh, and it's it's the beauty in one sense of of where we live in this in this world in this material world. Um, and I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I just like thinking about it. Going wow. It, that, that's amazing to me that we can do that. You know that that we can we we can we can put those on the scales and say, oh yeah, yep, you betcha. Well, About four thousand years old, only uh, two hundred and fifty. Oh, no, yeah, can't figure no. it out. But you know, when you said, <laughs> what's the difference of quantum thinking? I'll make a couple of differences, and I do want to get back to like the core, please, system, which can really help people. But so one of the things about the old world view, right? that conditioned mm -hmm. us, that we're in a quantum age, still very much under the influence of industrial age thinking. It's not like we're consciously thinking, it's just, it's part of the cult, the fabric of the culture. Yeah. But one of the things is that they saw reality, they saw actually the physical as matter, as fixed and solid, mm -hmm. right? Now I say transpose, take how does it re how does it what does it mean to us as as people in everyday life if you take matter and turn and call it circumstances right is mm -hmm. that we start to relate to circumstances as if they're fixed and solid and static where we know from the quantum worldview which is quantum thinking uses as its 
principles that everything is malleable. Reality is malleable. So just because I have a thought about my husband, my wife, my child, the politician, it doesn't make it the truth. It's just a thought. If I have a thought about what that Second Amendment means, I mean, do we even know what they meant by militia? You know, I mean, it's everything that you see, there's a, a distinction in quantum thing called the perspective of all perspectives, because everybody wants to know today, how do oh, we yeah. get past the divisiveness, right? How yeah. do we get past it? Because what happens is when you're ordinary, I'll call it ordinary, let's call it regular. When you're regular <laughs> thinking, you're automatically thinking, you're attached to your view, as you're saying, Richard, like, that's the way it is. But when uh-huh. you're quantum thinking, you realize that's one perspective. And that other than what we may think of as divine, they're as absolute. They're, for everyday human beings, there are no absolute realities. Yeah. And that's the great news because that means that if we see something's not working, we can do something about it. So when you look at the perspective of all perspective, what is that distinction? Hmm. It means that what we've been talking about, but that there is a perspective, because when you talk about transformation, right, you were talking about going beyond the form, the current form, mm-hmm. a perspective beyond any one position any one kind of, you know, fixed perspective. It's like the, oh, you know, (laughs) the man on the hill, the woman on the hill, right? And that, are you still there? Because you Mm -hmm. vanished. Oh, okay. And (laughs) we have screens just to say, he vanished. How do I know? Was that my intuition? No, I saw it on the screen. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) So the perspective of all perspectives, to actually be able to think in and live it from this context, that there are so many different realities, so many different perspectives. And can, do we have the ability, the mastery to be able to be with any perspective even when we, it doesn't match ours, even when we're vehemently opposed to that perspective. But if we can just, and the, the uh, practice, which I call recreations in quantum think, recreating the distinction in your life as a practice, the practice is to practice non-attachment. So what does it mean? It means I have this view, but I'm practicing non-attachment. It doesn't mean detachment, like, you know, I'm going away from life, I'm gonna stand apart and be the aloof observer, no. You're engaged and you're not attached to your view. I think you made a reference like this earlier where, Mm Can I learn 
something from this. And I have to do it with myself all the time. You know, I'm working on my own mastery of it. I have a view. I'm (laughs) my husband, who is my business partner, husband of 30 plus years, um, partner in all things. (laughs) And we have very different views politically. So, well, because I, I call myself, I don't, I'm not, on, I don't like the labels. I, I call myself mm-hmm. the transcendent, the transcendent view. I like you know, it. I like look it. and see, right? Like, <laughs> is it conservative? Is it liberal? That goes back to we're stuck in the either or. A quantum think perspective is the both and, okay? Every view has some validity. But if you're not open to seeing it that way, then this is where the blockades between people come up because you're not even, if you're not listening to another point of view, then how do you know whether it has value or not? Some people it's like, okay, you're a liberal. I'm not listening. You're a conservative. You can't come and speak at this university. Well, how will we know if we don't open ourselves to some kind, some variation on the theme of perspective of all perspectives. This is what, you know, we want to know how do we get to this new place for humanity? This is one of the ways Mm -hmm. is to just realize that, you know, and I always say, is every human being divine or not? You ever hear people say, oh, that person's evil. They're evil. Well, in one sense, they could be doing, you know, like looters, gangsters, whatever, murderers. Mm -hmm. So we could call that evil in that domain, in that dimension, that behavior, you know, inflicting harm upon someone else or someone else's property. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And you had, there's never, I mean, I can never see any, I don't, well, that's my view though. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing to justify that. In, but right. whether you're fighting for rights or anything, but so we could say evil, but then we say, and this is again, where the gaps come in, where I question, well, if, People say, my faith, meaning their religion, their spirituality, right, is the most important thing to me. And then in the next breath, you're bashing, trashing someone. Mm-hmm. To me, that doesn't match up. So, you know, it and, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And what's interesting about that is, is I went through, I don't think I've shared this this with you, uh, even since the last time we got together on this program, where I went through uh, three phases from 2017 in 2017, uh, probably into 2018. I got sucked into the political thing in September of 2016. Boy, I took me six months to get unsucked. And the first phase for me was, thank you, teacher, for teaching me how not to behave. All right, so I'm still attached. I'm still attached to an outcome, all right? Second phase, 
I forgive you, but more importantly, I forgive myself for allowing myself to get drawn into the minutia. Hmm. Third phase, this is where I'm at right now. Third phase, I've been here for quite a number of months. From a very human, humble, I'll take a knee position, I ask the question to a fellow human being who has every right to be here as I do, who is either divine or he is not. I am either divine or I'm not. I have to choose. And if I'm divine, so is he. And this is the question. What is it that you're so afraid of that makes you lash out in the way that you do? I'm not asking you to change. I just want to know so that I can understand and I can put this behind me and move on with my continued transformation of my life. I don't want to waste any more energy on this. It's not that important. You as a human being are important and you have every right to be here. But I just like to understand what triggered this, this, this behavior. And I know it's fear. But, but what fear is it that you have? And this puts it on a more human level. It puts it on a more compassionate level. Uh, it has nothing to do with politics. Uh, I, I didn't want to bully in the White House in the first place. That's my perspective. But that's going back to the 15th of June, 2016, uh, 2015. Okay? It had nothing to do with politics. So I just wonder if setting, uh, working on setting aside one's own beliefs about something, someone, some event, what have you, setting those aside and beginning to look at those events, those people, those things as other than an enemy, but as a part of my world, because I've chosen to attach myself to that, okay, my consciousness to that. And now I'm going to ask this question and I'm going to, I'm going to detach my consciousness from that in that context. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have really, that's a beautiful segue to the principle that I, I want to get to, but you know, I'll say something that's a, a little bit maverick, um, Richard, which is, sure. One of the ways that the industrial age thinking, and it was needed at the time. So everything, every stage of evolution has its own genius. Okay. So it's not saying, oh, industrial age thinking is bad. Quantum thinking is good. No, it's all right. Part of the totality, mm -hmm. but you have to look at the limitations of that one. So if you're only again, looking in the physical. Now, one of the other limitations in my view is that analysis, you see? Now we needed to analyze, we you know, categorize, it, created the sciences, we organized, you know, chaos of nature, and it's all good, and it's all genius. But gave rise to like amazing inventions that we live with today, even before the quantum technology. But the, the point being, in some sense, we will, I'm going to say something paradoxical. One is that I call 
in quantum think, most of the time people are not actually consciously choosing. Yes, they're taking action. Yes, they're saying things. Yes, they're making decisions. But they're not actually in an awakened state that where they would be at conscious choice. That's where the reflection comes in. So uh, let mm -hmm. me put these three ideas together. The second thing is, if we try to analyze why someone did something, why did they have the fear? We actually cannot get to it. I mean... There are certain systems I heard. I, I like the show that you were doing um, with uh, Patrick. I can't think of it, but about, you know, I've studied a little bit of NLP and hypnosis and that, and you can get to what they say, the, earth, the first experience where you had that fear and then you clear that subconsciously and everything's, you know, you go forward and you're free. But putting that aside, in terms of interpretation and giving a reason for something, we may never get to why someone thinks that way, uh, did that reaction or what. But what we can get to is how can we have this work now for everyone? Because in quantum, from a quantum worldview, what you focus on expands, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Squared. What you have attention on, you energize. What you energize, you add mass and you make it more real. So we want to be able to have our attention on what we want, not what we don't want, and not even why whatever happened that we don't want happened. Okay, so what can we do? Well, in, from a quantum view, again, you know, I mm -hmm. hope I'm not getting all the scientists upset with me. They, some of them do. Oh, what do they know? They, she doesn't have a science degree. But quantum principle, the observer effect. In quantum think, the system of thinking, I call it observer-created reality. Now, here is what I call the core distinction of the 21. And why? Because it shifts the whole way. You want to talk about transformation, that you relate to reality. So if you think about, if you have a one-dimensional, only physical is real, right? You're looking out mm -hmm. at the world, you're looking out at the circumstances, you're looking out at the people in your life or the, whatever, the institutions in your life, the, even the environment, and you're, and you're it's like circumstances. I want to be able to change that circumstance, but I have no effect. I'm just a victim of that circumstance, right? Because in the physical, we look separate from each other. We look separate from the earth. We don't realize the earth is the host living organism giving us our life like we have organisms on our body. These are the things we haven't yet been really taught, right? So mm -hmm. we trash the earth, right? Why? Because it looks separate. It's like, oh, stick it in. I'm sitting, I'm looking at the ocean. <sighs> Just shove it in the ocean, you know? But yeah. The ocean, 
but it doesn't work to, so when you have this more expansive view, okay, the observer effect, observer creative reality. So what is that? Well, the discovery in science was that the instrument of observation was influencing that which was being observed. So again, extrapolating, put that on to a human being. What is our instrument of observation, right? In other words, they said the uncertainty principle. You could never get certainty because the, what you were looking through had an effect because there are mind-to-mind -mind and matter-to-matter -matter effects, mind-to-matter effects. So when you look at how does that map on to our thinking, it means there are distinctions between you and me and me and everything around me, but no actual separations. This is the quantum insight, holistic and holographic. Everything is interconnected and interrelated. There are no actual separations. I mean, there's no separation because mm -hmm. we're breathing in, right? We're breathing in oxygen, <laughs> only know too well, <laughs> the mask society. And right, and we're breathing out carbon dioxide, which always concerns me. I'm breathing in back in my own carbon dioxide with the mask. But we're right, but we're breathing. So the oxygen that we're breathing in, it looks it's invisible to us. I guess you can see it under certain conditions, but we're not thinking about what's invisible but it's all connected. We are, you know, everything is part of the oceanic atmospheric, that system that's going on is affecting every, everything is affecting everything else. So again, let's bring it home to mother here because observer created reality. We, as the focal point that we've been divinely bestowed with the gift of where we put our attention and intent, that we are shaping reality with what we hold in awareness. So observation doesn't mean the perception visually, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the five senses. So we're talking yeah. about the extra sense, which is, consciousness, what we hold in awareness, what we hold in mind. So I say it very simply. What you bring is what you get. What is the instrument of observation for human beings? What we habitually hold in consciousness. So, and lately I've been calling, I, you know, discuss with you, there are certain lenses that we all look through. There is predominant, you know, many lenses that we look through or that we can look through, but there are some that are predominate for each one of us, but, you know, based on your interest mm -hmm. and where you focus your attention. But observer creative reality is very simple. If I'm going on, and I like to use this example, if I'm going to a meeting with a potential client, 
right, for business. And I'm holding in my unaware intent, in my thought field, I call the thoughtosphere, right? I'm I holding like the belief or the um, assumption she's not going to want to do business with me because she's already doing business with another company, okay? Or she's not going to want to, she's not going to hire me as a, because the economy is down. Mm-hmm. Or any of these thoughts that you have. That is creating your personal resonance. So in our personal resonant field, we have, it's, it's not good or bad. It's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the sublime. <laughs> the good thoughts we have, right? The mm-hmm, good thoughts mm-hmm. is, wow, I'd love to have, I know we get along great. Oh, the good thought is, I know that what I offer in my business can really serve this person's business. So you have all these mixed in, but you have to see that if you're going in with a negative belief, that's shaping the, what I call the relational field between you and that potential client. And it has an effect. The observer effect is real. So what do you do? What's the answer to this or the solution? is you notice, just like you did actually, right? When you say you went through the phase one, two, and three, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was over an extended time, I realized. Sure. But you notice, I'm holding this belief, conclusion, assumption. And you realize this is not a belief that is serving me or the other person, or Mm -hmm. the family, or the world, whatever it is. And as I say, it's not the truth. Just because you Mm -hmm. have a thought doesn't make it the truth. But since we have been granted the gift of the dynamic of intent to create with, to create ordinary human life and experience and relationships with. I can interrupt that undesirable limiting thought or belief or assumption, realize it's not the absolute truth, even though I may have, you know, 10 years of evidence stacked up for it. Even with the evidence, this is very important in quantum thinking, it still doesn't mean it's fixed and absolute for all time. And if it's not working to serve people, to make you and others feel great about life, interrupt that thought. I, we call it in quantum think, a least action pathway, least hyphenated word action pathway, the way the energy or the thought goes simply because it's been that route before. The least creative action, the least conscious action, the most mechanical action. And we say, don't give it any meaning. It's just mm-hmm. a thought that came in from the thoughtosphere. You don't even know where it came from and you'll never know where it came from. It doesn't make any 
difference. That's why I say it's maverick. It's irrelevant. Yeah. The only yeah. thing that's relevant is how am I going to shape now going forward? So you interrupted, right? You interrupted. I don't want to bully you. Now. You interrupt the thought that this person isn't going to want me. You create from intent. Um, well, we're going to really do well together. Mm-hmm. And here's the important, and then you're starting to color your field differently, brighter, more harmoniously. Now, important point, the thought she's not going to hire me, the thought we're going to get along great. Neither of those thoughts are the absolute truth. And this is the difference between quantum thinking and positive thinking. It's always good to have positive thoughts. But positive thinking in the sense of, you know, what people call magical thinking or you take Mm -hmm. a positive affirmation and it's not working, even though you wrote it on the whiteboard a thousand times, because you're still holding in your feeling tone of your being in your resonant field, you're still holding the negative belief as if your belief is, quote, the absolute truth. Once, these are the two very important fundamentals that I say can completely, completely shift and put the power of your, back in your hands. Every one of us has the power to shape our experience. When we shape our experience, when we transform our own personal resonance, you know, sympathetic resonance, what you emanate, right? You attract. So it's like that. When you're happy, people want to be around you. If you're miserable, they're running in the other direction. I mean, this is really simple, but when you start to do it from the place of a mastery practice and from the place of actual knowledge of these, what I call in the cosmic dimension, operating principles of the universe that operate everywhere and within you and me, it makes life so much easier. And the thing of quantum think is like, oh, do I have to monitor every single ride? No, I don't want to do that. No. Mm-hmm. And here's why you don't. Because it's system. A system is like a vortex. So once the system, right? Once you get the system, it kicks in. It's like a supermarket is a system. You have a grocery list. If you go in and there's no system, you'll be in there for the, you know, the next 10 years trying to find thousands of products. But because there's a system, you're embraced by the system. You still have free will. But now your conditioning of your own volition, of your own will, you're conditioning yourself to think from the broader, the more expansive, the more workable science and spirituality field. Mm. Well, I have to tell you that, that when, uh, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned this earlier, when the coronavirus hit in, December, in January, I wasn't scared. 
Um, I might have been a little concerned for my wife, who's 69, so she's in the critical area there. But the first thought that really came to me, especially when they started shutting things down, was I was elated. Elated that we were doing something different, thinking of Einstein's definition of insanity, uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And also thinking about those opportunities that I mentioned earlier. I was excited about the prospects. Now, we've had to do stuff around the radio station that I work for, certainly, to, to allow certain people to come in. But, okay, so, so that's what we've had to do. Uh, and that's okay. Um, when, and, of course, when we finally get home, I can take the mask off. She can take her mask off, and we can relax, you know, and so forth. And um, it's, it's the same thing here. And, of course, I don't think I've shared this. Maybe I have with, the, with our listening uh, public. Um, when I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes around the time of our conversation here, um, after the initial shock wore off, okay, <clears throat> I started thinking about it and thinking, look, I got myself here, okay? Nobody else did, they, no one did this to me, okay? Uh, same thing with my high blood pressure. I got myself here, however that was, I can get myself out. And with the blood sugar, it's not a big deal. I mean, yes, I understand the seriousness. To, I talked to my mother over the weekend, and she's telling me the stories of the family members who died and amputations and all of this stuff. And I'm just sitting here going, oh, something tells me I didn't want to call my mom now. <laughs> I mean, yes, she was being honest. She was being honest. But she didn't seem to come across real sympathetically because she knew of my sweet tooth. Uh, and she says, well, that's, that's, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear, you know, that's the case. She says, yeah, but it's not good. It's not permanent. Uh, you know, I halfway, I actually expect that uh, this will be over within a few months. And then my uh, medic, uh, my medic, my, uh, <clears throat> my, um, my doctor told me, uh, he, he prescribed one of these uh, uh, blood sugar uh, meters, you know, the, the testers, right? Mm -hmm. And the very first time I tested it, I dropped 100 points. The second time I tested it, I probably dropped another 75 to 80 points. Because we, my wife and I, made the commitment that this is not, this is not staying here. This is not going to be part of my life. Uh, well, I am going, you know. And so those two examples, to me, are what you're talking about <clears throat> by virtue of looking at a situation or a person, or what have you, differently. We talk about a circle, okay? And we talk about the points on the circle, and there's an event going on, or maybe there's a person there. We ask people to walk around the circle and look at and take in as many of those perspectives as they possibly can to help them to, full, to more fully understand what's happening. Because unfortunately, what we do is we get one perspective, maybe two. Echo chambers are the worst place. They are not a point. Well, they are a point on the circle, but you don't want to stay there, okay? <laughs> right. Because all it does is feeds your 
preconceived in notions. So that's kind of where I'm at these days. And I have to tell you that I'm very excited about the, that fact because I know that it's going to be really, really kind of cool, uh, you know, when all of this unfolds. And, well, you know, we are coming. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't are, want to Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but because what you're saying is so brilliant because what you're living this wisdom, you're living, first of all, that gives you all the power to create. You, when you didn't fall victim, right? Even mm -hmm. when your mother, of course, the mother, she's going to be concerned. This is so important because obviously no one wants to get, you know, a diagnosis of type two or, or diabetes or any, any set of circumstances that we in the world are facing, whether it's personal health relationships, you know, COVID related, government related, financially related, no one is saying these these are real circumstances these are valid these are these hurt these are fearful but the one thing that we each have is the ability to determine how we're going to choose to be related to those circumstances and it is in that relationship where our power lies. That is observer created reality in action. That is mastery in action, is that we don't have to be the victim of circumstances. And this is how I say it to wrap this up. In quantum think, old worldview, circumstance rules. New worldview, intent rules. And that's great. That's a great place to bring our conversation today to, to a close. Uh, that's where we'll be. Uh, next time, we'll, we'll get together and uh, we'll continue this conversation because there is so much to talk about and to repeat some of the things that we've already talked about because repeating these things helps people. It, it really does. People understand at, when they hear it over and over and over again, and there's nothing wrong with that. We encourage people to, to tune in and, and listen to what uh, uh, Diane uh, Collins has to say about uh, uh, this whole aspect of, as we have been speaking, quantum thinking. We ask you to go to her website and we ask you to uh, get a copy of her book. I mean, you know, it's, it's something that I think will, uh, will help you. Uh, and then basically the, the, the title of the book, of course, is uh, Do You Quantum Think? It's a good question. Do you? Based upon what we've talked about on this program, that would be uh, very interesting to find out if that's the case. DianeCollins.com, D-I-A-N-N-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-S.com. We encourage you to go there. We will be linked to your website as well. I also uh, want to remind our listeners that we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at richarddugan.com with the podcasts, which are at podcasts or at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, 
Blueberry and many other locations. I had to take a deep breath because there's so many locations, Diane. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we also, uh, if you can support us financially, we would greatly appreciate it. We have PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as ours. And we also uh, thank, uh, thank Diane for joining us. And uh, hopefully one day we will be able to get together uh, from one coast to the other. I don't know. Maybe we'll meet in the middle. Yeah, I don't even know where yeah. that is. That would be <laughs> I don't, I'd like yeah, to I don't, get out there. I yeah, like I don't Santa Barbara. The divide, though. <laughs> Let me just take a, a second to say thank you so much. I really enjoy always being with you. And it's just such a pleasure to, and a privilege to be able to share whatever is coming through us together. I have three more questions for you before we go. The first one, as we uh, come close to the, we come to the end of our program, the first one is who is Diane Collins? Diane Collins is a girl who wants every single person on this planet to be happy, productive, have great relationships, feel wonderful, and just be exuberant about life in whatever way I can do that. And Right now, I'm working on a, creating a quantum thinking world. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Well, I did just say it. Achieving a quantum thinking world, which is that people will open up to their own magnificence, to their own ability to go beyond wherever they've limited themselves wherever any of us have lived, limited ourselves so that we can live in our divine nature. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Uh, that is my life's purpose as well. I feel that my life's purpose, let me put it in, an, in another way, not to be repetitive, that my life's purpose and I'm sure I came to this incarnation for this, is to have us go, meaning all of us, humanity, from a state of knowing the wisdom, which is available at the touch of a smartphone, we have all of it available, Everyone knows what to do. We all can tell each other, oh, you should do this, you should do that. It's all a big how-to. But then doing it is a, is a universe apart. So for me, it's going from the concept of wisdom to being the walking, talking, actual embodiment of it, earth angels. That is very exciting to think about too. And also... Uh, it's kind of exciting for me to think that, oh boy, I am on my way to be a quantum thinker and I'm excited. That is so cool uh, that at least uh, there's, there's, a, there's a spot for me and I'm, I'm excited about that. Well, you're well on your way, Richard. That's for sure. <laughs> I thank you. I thank you so much for uh, joining us and being with us here on the program. 
and sharing so much time. This is fabulous. And folks, you got to listen to the, you've got to listen to the podcast because you're only getting 50 minutes of this conversation on the radio. So go to the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or TuneIn Radio or any of the other locations and listen to the, the entirety of this program. I think you're going to get a kick out of it. Go to our website, diannecollins.com and get a copy of Do You Th Quantum Think? And I thank you so much for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And we encourage you to join us every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. or Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Uh, and if you can support us, thank you, thank you, thank you. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to love.